Hello and welcome to the Single Mothers by Choice podcast, the podcast that shares stories, science and removes the stigma around pursuing a family as a single woman, where we break down the research that might support your journey to fertility whilst normalising the scary stuff that comes with it. If you love it, feel free to share it, even like and review if you're feeling generous, and reach out to my socials and website in the show notes. I'm Amelia, a registered nutritionist and a recovering perfectionist and secret shamekeeper. So let's begin. In this episode, in my most calm, meditative voice, I discuss the importance of stress management when it comes to your fertility. Let's talk about stress. I just have to take one look at the forums that I'm part of for single mothers by choice or fertility forums to see just how stressed everyone is. I mean, look, in general day-to-day life, what year are we in? 2022? Can we say post-pandemic? Post a very stressful, stressful couple of years. Life stressors are prevalent, even aside from the fact that we've been locked in and out of our houses for the last two years. But when it comes to fertility, the organisation, the planning, the frustration, the apprehension, the travel, the cost, the successes, the struggles, the challenges, all of this is just like a tornado of stress for people and we have to and I mean we really have to do what we can to try and manage it and the longer fertility treatment goes on the higher stress levels we tend to see and and I mean that's that's not my opinion although it is my opinion it's also what we see in the research and other researchers actually looked at infertility treatment and the and quantified the stress that comes with that and found that it's actually comparable physiologically to other stressors in in life so things like divorce or death in the family infertility treatment is up there so i i, I think of course it's going to differ between people some people have greater stress resilience than others some people are going through the fertility journey but maybe don't have infertility challenges which might have a different effect on our stress ultimately though i don't think any of us can deny that this process is stressful and there was one study that looked at 300 women ish who were all going through infertility treatment and found that about half of them showed signs of depression and about three and four showed signs of anxiety now if we look at the general population for anxiety the rates in an average woman is 23 percent in terms of anxiety disorders now that's not the same as signs of anxiety but if anxiety disorders are prevalent in about 23 percent of the of average women and yet 75 percent showed signs of anxiety who are going through fertility treatment you know again that's not anxiety general anxiety disorder but it's likely that people who are going through this treatment have higher levels of feelings of anxiety if not general anxiety generalized anxiety disorder 
again, they're not the same thing. You can have feelings of anxiety without having GAD, for example. And if you do think that you're experiencing chronic anxiety, then it's always worth speaking to a medical professional about that. I'm a very strong advocate of not being able to positivity spin and reframe your way out of mental illness. However, we can certainly support our mental health through things like reframing and um, other stress management techniques, which we are going to come on today. So I think that is a super important point to know. If it's something, you know, if you're struggling with your mental health chronically, then do please seek support through that, through your doctor, through a healthcare professional, through a therapist. Everyone is here to support you. In terms of why it's important, other than the fact that stress just doesn't feel great. Stress is not enjoyable to live with. It can impact our sleep. If it impacts our sleep, then that can further impact our mood. It can impact our resilience, our emotional regulation. It can impact our hunger levels. So, you know, you might be somebody who stress eats uh, or you might be somebody who feels anxious and doesn't eat because you feel anxious. Everyone is slightly different with this. Often what we see is people who are chronically stressed actually tend to have higher BMIs. Um, So it is super important. And it's also super important if you are going through fertility treatment and actually your nutrition is super important. Your nutrition aside from body fat levels, is super important. So you want to make sure that you are focusing predominantly on kind of healthful nutrition and not on things like stress eating and emotional eating, although sometimes that's obviously absolutely fine. But if you are maybe in a larger body, stress can directly impact your hunger levels, your mindfulness around food, then it's impacting your nutritional choices, right? But stress also has a physiological impact, so it increases hormones like, for example, cortisol, one of our main stress hormones, and that can lead to physiological changes that directly impact your reproductive health. And if you've ever had periods of chronic stress before, you'll know that it can also potentially impact our menstrual cycles. And I did do a podcast recently, I think it was the last podcast that we spoke about um, irregular menstrual cycles, so that's certainly something worth listening to if that is you. When you're feeling this kind of psychological distress, stress, your body goes into fight, flight, or flee. Fight, fight, or freeze. That sounds <laughs> ominous. Fight, flight, or freeze. And it does this by activating the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis in our body and therefore releases stress hormones like, for example, cortisone, cortisol, and other stress hormones like CRH which you don't need to worry about particularly. But ultimately, we get this physiological response when we feel this psychological stress. But on top of that, when we have chronic stress, where we're feeling stressed long-term, this can then have this impact on the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis, and that can impact our reproductive system. And that's where we see things like irregular periods um, or potentially your periods stopping altogether. So... When we talk about stress management, I think it's really easy to kind of just think about it in terms of how we're thinking and feeling. But we often negate to appreciate that how we think and how we feel does have a physiological impact. And that's why they say, your doctors will say when you're going through this, is really trying to stay calm. And a lot of the podcasts that I've done so far have been about acceptance and controlling things that you can control because stress is so important physiologically when it comes to fertility. 
So if we look at the actual research around fertility and, and how stress impacts it, one study of over 400 women who were going through IVF found that um, women who under went the highest stress levels, and they, they looked at this through a specific physiological marker in saliva that is an indicator of stress. And they found that the women who had the highest stress levels had a 29% lower conception rate after one year compared to those in the lowest stress group. And an even bigger study of over 4,000 women a couple of years later found that women who experienced higher stress levels had lower rates of conception. But this is specific to women and actually men stress had no impact on conception. So when we're looking at general fertility as opposed to specifically IVF or um, reproductive technologies, it tends to be we see that chronically high levels of stress may impact fertility rates, but potentially lower or moderate levels of stress may not have such a direct impact in those who already have quote-unquote proven fertility. So what about when it comes to IVF outcomes specifically? Because I mean, that's really what a lot of you listening to this podcast are dealing with. Again, results tend to be relatively inconclusive. Some studies like higher levels of stress-related cytokines, which are markers of stress in the blood, to lower pregnancy rates after just one cycle of IVF. But other studies actually look that IVF and found that self-report stress levels and another physiological marker, blood cortisol levels, are not associated with with IVF outcomes. But again, there's other evidence that says that stress might impact endometrial thickness, which is important for conception. It's not the same as looking at pregnancy rates, but again, the study that was um, released in China identified that specific saliva biomarkers of stress found that uh, participants with higher stress levels had lower endometrial thickness, which will impact potentially implantation and there's other evidence that suggests that stress can impact things like estrogen levels and anovulation so the there isn't a specific statement that I can say all of the research says that stress directly impacts conception and uh, pregnancy rates in IVF and or in those with proven fertility that evidence is not there that not super robust It is um, often done in small sample sizes, although some of these previous bits of research were done in four or five hundred people. You know, we'd like more. We would always like more when it comes to research. Um, Like I alluded to earlier, a lot of the research comes from people with known fertility issues, so... If you are going through this process and you don't have fertility issues or fertility challenges, as I prefer to call it, then the impact of stress might be slightly different. As with a lot of research, this has been done on white women, which may not necessarily be transferable to people of colour, to people of different backgrounds. And it's important to know that the research is not always super robust. That being said, does that impact 
what I recommend that we do when it comes to looking at stress management? No. Does that mean that we should ignore the potential impact of stress on fertility? No. But what it does mean is that we don't want to get stressed about being stressed. It's easy to listen to podcasts and try and get information about how you can support yourself and then think, oh, I'm not doing that right. And then fall into a bit of a spiral of, well, I've not done my specific stress management task today. Now I feel bad. Now I feel stressed. I don't have time to do that. That's not what we want. And if we're looking at, like I said, if we look at the research, we don't 100% know that there is this direct impact between stress and fertility and, and live pregnancy, live pregnancies. We don't know. We can speculate that there probably is a link, especially for those um, without. And if we look at the research around stress management and IVF outcomes, so as opposed to looking at stress levels and pregnancy rates, let's look at actually what happens if we look at stress management support through this process. And this is where it's really cool. So there was a 2015 meta-analysis, so basically a study that took lots of different pieces of research and put them together into one study. And they identified that things like um, psychosocial support, so mindfulness techniques, acupuncture, guided imagery, or CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, for stress could support infertility and also had a potential or were associated with an increase in clinical pregnancy rates as well as improvements in psychological outcomes, i.e. stress levels, um, mood, emotion, etc. More recently, a 2018 review looked at cognitive behavioural therapy as well as the mind-body interventions. And I am going to do a full podcast on this because it's a super interesting intervention that looks at... Um, it helps reduce stress in a kind of mind-body holistic way. Very similar to the way that I would coach with my clients. And they identified, again, reduced stress levels and increased pregnancy rates when they took this mind-body approach. So really looking at how we can reduce psychological and physiological stress. Now, there's no evidence for things like specifically meditation or specifically nature walks or anything else that you might use to manage your stress there's no direct research that says doing x will increase your pregnancy rate that it's just not there and it's probably never going to be there but what does seem to be apparent is that managing your stress in some way if you have infertility challenges or you're going through the IVF process, may well support pregnancy outcomes. And that's really what we are looking for here, right? So what can we actually do about it? Because research is all well and good, but actually we're in busy lives. We've got loads of stuff to organise. We've got loads of stuff to do. What can we actually do to manage our stress levels? I have a list as long as my arm. Some of these have got some robust evidence behind them. So I alluded earlier to mindfulness. Mindfulness or meditation or some, for, some, for, some form of mindfulness practice, I would recommend everyone incorporate into their day every single day. Now, this might seem like a lot. You might think, how on earth? You know, I don't meditate. I hate meditation or meditation is too hard because my brain just 
goes off and starts thinking about to-do lists and what I should be doing. Super common, by the way. But you can take a bit of a mindful moment every day, maybe when you're exercising and you're just focusing on what you're doing, you're focusing on your breathing, you're focusing on how your body feels, you're focusing on mind-muscle connection throughout that lift. That's a little bit of a meditative moment, a little bit of a mindful moment. Or you might go for a walk and you might go run through your senses. Name something that you see, smell, hear, taste, feel and breathe it in, notice it, feel it around you, see it, hear it, have a bit of a mindful moment. I recommend, to be honest, I recommend pretty much everyone to do some sort of meditation practice throughout the week. Meditation has a lot of research behind it in terms of um, stress management. Now, there are problems, again, with that research in terms of placebos, etc, etc. But I'm not going to go into that today. Let's try a super simple meditative practice right now as you listen to this podcast. So, wherever you are, unless you're driving or walking, don't shut your eyes. If you can, shut your eyes. Otherwise, be safe. Open your eyes. What you're going to do is breathe out all of the air in your lungs and of your belly. Breathe all the way out. Now close your mouth. Take a big deep breath in through your nose. All the way down into your belly. Let your belly feel soft and expand. Keep breathing in. Topping up your lungs now. Letting your chest expand all the way to the top and hold it and breathe out through your mouth long and slow and deep breath all the way out you're going to do the same again big deep breath in through your nose notice the feeling of air traveling through your nostrils down into your belly breathing out breathing up through your lungs holding it and breathing out notice the feeling of air coming out through your belly through your mouth, through your nose. Now you can do that for one minute every single day, focusing on your breathing, where you feel it in your body. That is a little bit of a mini meditation. Start your day with that and notice how it feels. Finish your day with that and notice how it feels. You can progress a little bit with your meditation. There are apps that are fantastic. Unplug Meditation, fantastic. Cam app, Insight Timer. You can use Spotify. Um, There's a great meditation podcast called Mindful in Minutes. Fantastic. There is another meditation that I love from Tara Brack, which is also on Spotify called Meditation for Fertility. I recommend everyone do that. Other stress management techniques, journaling. Everyone should be journaling most days or at least every week. Journaling on what you are grateful for today, how your day went, what you're feeling, what stories you're telling yourself, the situations that led up to you feeling anxious what you felt went well, what you felt you could change for next time, what your plan is for tomorrow, getting your thoughts out onto paper before bed so that you have a good night's sleep, super, super helpful. Acupuncture, I've done a whole podcast on that, may well help manage stress. Taking a walk in nature, yoga, yoga is fantastic for stress management. If you can incorporate just 10 minutes of yoga into your week, great, twice a week, even better. You don't have to go to 50 minute classes to get the benefit of yoga. The idea is that you're coming home to your body, you're given that time to focus just on your breathing, on your body and help release all of the the anxious thoughts going around in your head. Focusing on slowing down, responding, not reacting, taking deep breaths before you say something, 
before you reply to a message. Ask for help, ask for help, ask for help, ask for support. Stop taking everything on yourself, stop being a martyr and ask for support. Talk to people, set some boundaries. Boundaries, people, boundaries, learn it, know it. Boundaries or a lack of boundaries is one of the main triggers I see for stress, especially with clients and especially for clients going through this journey. If you don't have boundaries, for example, let's use work as an example. If you don't have your boundaries with your work and you consistently give, give, give and you work beyond your working hours and you're always replying to emails at seven o'clock in the morning when you're trying to have breakfast and you're sat on your phone, how do you think replying to your boss at 7am whilst you're eating your breakfast is going to support your stress and your mood for the rest of the day? How do you think having a boundary that says, I reply to my emails two hours in the morning when I start work and two hours before I finish work or whatever works for you. How do you think that then impacts your stress levels at seven o'clock in the morning? We have to get better at boundaries. And if we are people pleasers, we can find that really difficult. But boundaries have such a direct impact on your stress levels. Please, please, please look at, do I have boundaries with people at work? Do I have boundaries with my partner? Do I have boundaries with my friends, with myself? And have I vocalised these? A really good indication of this is, do you feel resentful somewhere? Do you feel resentful towards someone? Why do you feel resentful? Have you set a boundary there or is it something else? Therapy, great for stress management. Expressive writing, great for stress management. And like I said, the research that I talked about earlier that I'm going to do a whole podcast on, this mind-body programme for infertility, that includes things like cognitive behavioural therapy, i.e. therapy, relaxation, improving your self-awareness, getting social support, making lifestyle changes, um, journaling, all the things I've already said. Managing your stress levels is not going to do you any harm. But like I said at the beginning, don't get stressed about not having time to do stuff to manage your stress. Pick something that you think, I can commit to this every day for five minutes. One thing, and let's start there. Stress is super important. Just as your nutrition is, just as your exercise is, your physical activity, just as the right sperm donor is, all of this stuff is super important. So pick something, make sure that you do it, promise yourself you'll do it each day and commit to it. If you'd like any more information about my coaching or consultancy services or education, then please visit www.emilia.fitness or my Instagram page at Emilia Thompson PhD or www.eiqnutrition.com.